Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. I'm Richard Deitch. My producer is Patrick Antonetti. Happy New Year. We are in 2024. This podcast continues. And uh, I can't thank you enough for listening over the years. We have two of our regulars uh, for the first show of 2024, and I am very, very happy to have them both. Chad Finn is the Boston Globe Sports Media Writer and General Columnist. Austin Karp, Sports Business Journal Managing Editor slash Digital. They join us from Boston and uh, in the Charlotte area. Happy holidays, gentlemen. Happy 2024. Welcome back to the Sports Media Podcast. Same to you, Rich. Happy New Year, gentlemen. All right, let's do something uh, topical. Let's at least try to get somebody interested in this, Austin. Uh, let's. Uh, so we are taping this the morning after the incredible semifinals between Alabama and Michigan and Washington and Texas. Great, great games. Um, I'm sure the committee somewhere, wherever they are, sitting in a hotel in Malibu or Maui or something like that, celebrating their picks. But um, we'll get the viewership numbers for this. Um, Probably later today, I would expect them to put. I would expect that Michigan game with Alabama potentially to set the all-time record for the most watched semifinals. Austin, you are a viewership expert. Um, give me your just sort of general overall thoughts on what you think a Washington-Michigan national championship game will do and the attractiveness of it. Well, I don't think it's going to be as big as what Texas-Alabama could have been, but. It's, what, the third time ever we've had two 14-0 teams face off. So you couldn't ask, like on paper, this is an incredible matchup. I think Michigan's going to bring a strong audience. And wait until you see that Rose Bowl number. I think that's going to be absolutely huge. Um, I think you you will see a a decent audience. I think it'll be up from last year for sure. 
uh, regardless of the score, you know, that that blowout, that Georgia TCU blowout. I, I think it'll be up. I don't think it'll be one of the strongest ever. I think it'll be somewhere in the middle of the pack. And Michigan fans around the country are going to carry that. Number. All right. So before I get to you, Chad, so what, what you want to give a viewership like prediction? If the Texas um, 2006, that's Texas USC, if I'm reminding myself, right? If that's the that's the ceiling, right? That's 35 million. You can correct me if I'm wrong, Austin. Maybe 35 million and change. Um, where do you think this sits? You think this is mid mid 20 million kind of viewership, or higher or lower? You know, for the for for the national title game, I, I'm I'm hoping it gets to twenty million. Twenty million. Wow, that's lower than I would expect. I, mean, I think I think it gets to twenty million. I mean, if the score is good, you you you're talking maybe twenty five million. I mean, it, it could be that much of an impact. Um, but you I mean, audience numbers are just different these days. I mean, Alabama, Ohio State couldn't even get to twenty million back in twenty twenty one. So I mean, but Michigan. They have a very, they have a good diaspora of fans out there. You know, a good game. I think you're pushing between twenty. You can get to up to twenty five million. I'm guessing. Might be the first use of the word diaspora on this uh, podcast, Chad. <laughs> Thank you for that, Austin. I definitely haven't used yeah. it. <laughs> All right, so Chad, what about you? Uh, your just sort of general thoughts on the like the attractiveness of of a Michigan Washington uh, championship game. By the way. We probably won't even get into this, but my God, you see Washington in the championship game and you think, how how could the Pac-12 leadership have screwed this up more in, in terms of not having that conference anymore? But what's your thoughts uh, What's your thoughts on this game, Chad? Yeah. Uh, I think it's a little bit more appealing this morning than maybe it was going into the second yeah, game yesterday just because uh, Washington was so dynamic in that game. I mean, you had, you had the suspense at the end with the way they handled the clock and then Texas having a chance to... Uh, to score on the final play, but uh, just watching Michael Penix and uh, the talent on that offense, I've seen so many tweets this morning from people saying like uh, Washington has better receivers than the Kansas City Chiefs, and it's actually probably true. So uh, this this matchup uh, between these two teams, Michigan was uh, uh, as known a quantity as anybody nationally, and now watching that performance in front of how many ever people, you know, 19 million, however many people, 20 million, how many, uh, many of our people watched it yesterday. Um, it's only going to elevate the championship game because I think that that second matchup really broadened the appeal of uh, Michigan, Washington. The one thing, Austin, I'll just sort of go back to you on is, um, and you, I don't know if you have this in front of you, but um, the, the title game last year, um, was way way down because of essentially the blowout nature of that game. It was a blowout early. It was not even a not even a, a contest. Yeah. So the reality the reality will be if you are ESPN Disney that you're going to have a good story to tell no matter what because there's honestly even if it was a similar blowout given the two teams um, you're going to get a better rating. I'm actually looking this up here. I think that rating was. 17.2 actually this yeah 17.2 yes yeah, so according to austin carper the sports business journal i see here 17.223 million viewers i mean that's really low for a national title that was georgia tcu yeah that's the yeah. blowout of yeah. that i mean that game was essentially over yeah. you know felt that was the lowest on record for any cfp or bcs champion okay so e wow. even though i think your your prediction austin is a little it would be lower than mine the reality for ESPN and you know new communications head Josh Krulowitz is that um, 
they're going to have a good story to tell because there is no way they're going to not be up. And then if they get a tight game, I mean, they could be up significant. Let's let's just even sort of play it out and say they get 25 million viewers or 24 million viewers for that game. That's going to be a 7 million viewership increase. That's a, that's a massive percentage increase. And I think just narrative-wise, that's don't you think that's going to be the story? ESPN's going to blast that out everywhere. Yeah, you can write that press release now, like CFP Championship sees massive gain. But look look two years ago. I mean, it was regional, yes. You had Georgia, Alabama, but that was a thriller that went down to the end on a last second play, right? Or a couple sorry, a couple of years ago, the Alabama, Georgia game. And that got up to twenty eight million viewers. So there is potential there to really get a significant number, but we don't have any sort of evidence for Michigan in this CFP or BCS era. Okay, we don't know how many fans they're going to bring, but they bring it during the regular season. Let's see what they can do. I I do think that they had the potential to really deliver closer to that 23, 24, 25 million number if they can if the game is close. But Washington, I, I just don't know what they're bringing to the table. I think it's kind of a TCU type of situation in terms of national appeal. But you keep the score close, and you know, casual fans will keep the game on. So this is my last thought. And Chad, if you want to add something, or if not, we'll we'll head on to our uh, our twenty twenty four predictions. So Austin, I know you know this: Alabama, Ohio State, and Michigan are far and away the three best national viewership teams in college football. Um, you know, then you can occasionally throw in like a Notre Dame, or when you know uh, uh, when when Clemson is good, Florida State's good, Florida they're good. Like there are other teams, but th- those historically, at least in the recent history, those are your three big teams. So I think Michigan is a massive draw, and I think they will bring viewers. And then Washington is just interesting to me because they have a star quarterback, and I do think that makes a difference when it comes to viewership either in the NFL or college football. So yeah, Washington is the big X factor, but at least they have the they have the best thing for an X factor, which is a quarterback like people are interested in because that quarterback's going to play in the NFL the next year. So I I don't know I I. My, I have a weird feeling that this this viewership number is going to pop because I think the score is going to be high. You wouldn't. You're not Michigan, crazy. I mean, Michigan played in three of the top ten regular season games this season. Right. Well, Ohio, but Ohio State was one of them. Yeah, but Michigan right? Penn so State's still on there. Michigan, Ohio, Michigan, Iowa. Even though everyone knows that was essentially a fait accompli that they were going to dominate Iowa in the Big Ten championship. That was the fifth most watched game of the season. Wow. Yeah. So and that's there, no there is Iowa, but that's there. Michigan, like you said, Michigan does bring it. But I mean, outside of you know, an Oregon-Washington game. Washington, you know, it, it was tough for them to draw an audience. I mean, Washington State-Washington isn't exactly a national appeal game in the regular season. Yeah. All right. So that, that'll that be we'll, – we'll, we'll have somebody back for that to talk about the viewership numbers when they come out next Monday. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, TEND is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Okay. Uh, the thing I want to do on this podcast was to sort of talk about uh, – 2024 predictions and like what sort of we might be expecting or looking forward to within the sports media landscape. And uh, Chad Finn, I will, I will go to you. I asked you guys to come up with just sort of three or four overall predictions. 
and uh, let's let's hope you did your homework assignment. <laughs> so, Chad, I uh, I go to you first. What's your what's your? It doesn't this is not ranked in order? Like this is not your number one prediction, but what? But throw give me a prediction, and Austin and I will will riff off it. Well, this is my number one prediction. So, <laughs> uh, it, it's a it's a pretty obvious one, but it's you know, one relevant to the market I work in. Uh, I, I, I've stayed. Uh, through the whole process with Tom Brady and Fox with the belief that he was going to end up in the booth um, eventually and uh, fulfill that contract that he signed. I know there's some speculation that he wouldn't, that he would find uh, a different path. Uh, I'm well, I'm certain he's going to do it. I think he's, uh, I've heard from an executive in another network that he's been practicing doing, um, you know, practice games to get ready for it. We've seen him do, uh, uh, become more opinionated about what he thinks about the NFL and uh, certain teams at this point, you know, uh, kind of got himself a little bit of hot water talking about how he thought the NFL was uh, mediocre right now, talent level. Uh, I think this is all leading to him trying to do as best a job as possible in that booth and maybe surprising people about uh, how actually how much of an actual personality he'll have when he does it. So that's that's my number one prediction that uh, that Brady does do the Fox gig and he's actually good at it. Okay, this would be my prediction as well. I, I I agree with Chad. I believe Tom Brady will be in the booth for week one. Every person I've talked to at Fox believes the same. Like Chad, I actually think he might be better than conventional wisdom suggests. Uh, not as... Um, not as sort of calculated in his statements as he was when he was a pro quarterback. And so uh, I'm with Chad on that prediction. The one thing I would say, Chad, uh, I don't know if you agree with me on this or not, and then we'll get to Austin. I I would bet huge money Tom Brady does not make the full 10 years at Fox. I I cannot (laughs) see any chance of that happening. But year one, year one, I think he's in the booth and um, presents some interesting challenges for Fox in terms of what they do with Greg Olson. But uh, but yes, I'm with you, Chad. I think I think I think uh, I think Brady's there. Um, Austin, what about you? Your thoughts on that? I I agree he'll be there. I agree he'll be good at the start. I don't think he's going to try to be Tony Romo in terms of being Nostradamus, but uh, I I think he'll bring something different for sure. Does it get old too fast? Like do our and I think people will be much harsher, especially on social media and in columns about his performance and especially for his blunders. They'll want to point it out because the man has been perfect for 20 years <laughs> any chance that people have to take a, a, any sort of knock at him. But he's also been perfect for 20 years. So what's the thing that he's not going to, like you said, Chad, he's doing his homework. Okay. He wants to excel at this. It feels like he wants to. So maybe he proves the doubters wrong. No, I don't think he's there in 10 years. I think crypto.com has a better chance of keep, keeping its name on the, uh, <laughs> on the arena in LA. With, uh, I also don't think that he'll be there in 10 years. But, um, yeah, I, th- I think he's going to have early success. Let's see if he can sustain it. He's not going to be Drew Brees. No. Yeah, also, I, I, mean, you know, I, don't, I don't know Brady at all. Um, but if I was Don Yee or any of his uh, advisors, I really would tell him to stay off social media like during oh, the God. season yes. in terms of not looking at your reviews because you're so right about that, Austin. There's just, you know, he's he's – they're going to be enough people who are just going to crush them because they dislike Tom Brady or they dislike the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very hard. I mean, I would tell this whether it's McAfee or uh, you know, or any high-profile person. This is where I think Barkley is a genius in that he just he doesn't give a shit about this and he's not on any social media platform. And I think he's 
something to the effect of why would I let he's always had lines like why would I let some asshole might yell at, yell at me at a bar yell at me on social media like that's the right you know you want people you don't want people in your head we're all guilty of that happening so um um that's what I would say to Brady but Brady also has a brand Chad so I don't know if he could really avoid not being on social media because it's social media is a big part of the Brady brand these days yeah yeah, he's got a lot to sell. It, it's interesting. Uh, I think it was you, Richard, that mentioned Romo. Um, he, I remember, and I, I think you probably experienced this too, when he first started and he was predicting uh, plays as they happened, there were people, uh, bro- fellow broadcasters who would say, you know, off the record or sort of under their breath that uh, they could do that too, but they yes. don't. That, <laughs> right. that uh, you know, uh, if, if you've played the game recently, play quarterback, you can kind of recognize things. Or it's just the meeting late in the week where the coach will uh, often give an indication of what they're thinking, what they're going to do. And uh, uh, there was it was kind of jealousy, I think, and envy of Romo because of the attention he was getting. But I think there was also some truth to it. And um, I don't think it's totally out of the question that Brady – does a little bit of that because he's certainly going to have the capability to, it's just a matter of, um, you know, whether he actually decides to take that Nostradamus path with it. He should do it. Like, I think yeah. I, I remember talking yeah. to some CBS people who, who sort of told Tony to pull back a little bit because yep. he could do it all the time. Terrible mistake because that to me, that's what made Romo that first year sort of become, you know, a magician or a unicorn as people were blown away by that. And it's not like the NFL draft. You're not going to get like a majority of the viewers who are like, please don't tell me what the play is beforehand or please don't tell me what the pick is beforehand. <laughs> That's just part of analysis. It doesn't so ruin it. It, Brady, it never ruined it for me. Yeah. Exactly. No, it's pretty Brady, cool. If, yeah, I liked it. If, yeah, exactly. That's right. That's the thing is you say it's cool because it was cool. If Brady can do that, and clearly Brady can do that, he should do that, and he he should he should learn from the lesson of Romo and that like just do it because you're it's worth doing it because you show people one you're educating people and two you're showing people that you really have uh, currency. So I'm with you, Chad. I'm totally with you on that. All right, Austin, give give us a prediction from you, and then Chad and I will riff. I mean, r- the biggest rights deal out there is the NBA. I think they're going to get a deal done spring, maybe summer. Uh, I think it gets split between four people. I think, yeah, I think four people. I think ESPN keeps, I think ESPN wants to keep the NBA finals in particular. I mean, that, that's a marquee property. I think it long-term is still on a growth trajectory for that property. The pro there, I think the NBA gets pretty close to double what they're getting now, but that I I bring it up first because the NBA deal is so important because it's going to suck a lot of the money out of the room for a bunch of other properties that are out there seeking money, especially on ESPN Airways. There are a lot of rights deals coming up that involve ESPN. So I think there's going to be a heavy trickle-down effect, and that's the important thing. All right, so let's let's get into this a little bit. This would have been uh, – this will be a shorter podcast because this obviously would have been on my uh, – you know, Brady was on my predictions list as well as the NBA. Uh, Same here. You have, have sort of – you have to have an opinion <laughs> on sort of the NBA. So, Austin, you didn't mention the um, – the the places where you think it will mm-hmm. go, but I think very clearly, I sort of just so the audience will know, I don't think there's any question that Disney slash ESPN will retain the NBA. It's just it's core to their business. It's core to um, 
you know, they're everything sort of they talk about when it comes to like shoulder programming and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's core to their social media business. It's core to their video business, core to everything. So they're, I don't think money's really going to be an issue. They're, they're going to retain. The question, as Austin said, is like, what will they retain? I think they'll get a little less inventory. I'm with Austin. I don't think they're going to seed the NBA finals. I know there's been some reporting out there. Um, about maybe NBC being a player. I think Marshan has written that. CNBC has written that. I would still bet that ESPN slash Disney retains the NBA Finals. We'll see what happens. I I, I think they're going to push very, very hard to keep that. I think Warner Brothers Discovery slash Turner will also continue as, I agree. Um, yep. as an NBA media rights holder. Again, I think it's just too core to their business. Um, never really bought David Zasloff putting in the sort of the you know media ecosystem that you know you know maybe we'd walk away or you know who knows well, what the it's just it's a zero sum universe though like if if ESPN and and TNT both retain though and I and there are four partners then it's like you said yep. where, where are those games coming from is it a season is it is it later the season when you know TNT traditionally had Tuesdays and Thursdays sometime. I, I think some of those games are going to come away from TNT. You're going to have a streaming only package. You know, does that go to an Amazon? Does it go to a, a YouTube? Does it go to a Peacock? Um, like you, you talked about NBC already. So I think it's going to be some sort of mix of those. And that's just the way it is. You're seeing with every property out there going with multiple networks now, like more than two, three, four, five networks sometimes. NASCAR is sort of the guide here. Amazon, I think, absolutely is going to get a piece of the NBA. I would be stunned if they did not. It just, again, it fits their expanding sports portfolio interests. They, it, it's The demos are young, and I know Amazon likes that. It's a global game. Amazon likes that. And NBA, the NBA has to get a streaming partner, if not multiple streaming partners in this deal, just as an economic play. Like That's where the economics are long term. So I would put Apple down as well. And then, uh, and Chad, I'll, I'll sort of hand the form to you. The, the last one, as Austin said, that's the most interesting one, is what would that fourth partner be? And will it be, um, will it be YouTube? Will it be uh, Comcast, which means NBC, Peacock? You know, will it be Netflix? Will they finally sort of uh, get in the game here? That, that's, that's really the biggest question I see in terms of um, – what's going to happen with the NBA because I think obviously four partners gets them double media, you know, double, double, double the media rights, if not a little less or if not a little bit more. So that's the real question is if there's a fourth partner who that fourth partner is, but I'm with you, Austin. I mean, I think it seems inconceivable at this point that the two incumbents won't retain. I think Amazon prime is definitely going to get in. And then it's a question of do they go to four partners and if who's the fourth? What about also you, whether the in season tournament is carved out specifically for one of those? I think a streaming partner. Todd, the the, the yeah. in season tournament makes one thousand uh, percent logic for any streamer. It's 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 like it's a how do I say this? It's like a unique um, sort of packaged event mm-hmm. that you can just give to another entity. That doesn't really impact ESPN or Turner. No, it doesn't. WB. And even the championship game, which was your top game there in terms of audience, that was just like a middle of the road Christmas Day type of game. So you're not giving up too much. Yeah, I mean, they're also like you know, like yeah, I, I'm sure ESPN would love to have like the championship of the in season tournament. But also, it's like if it's a little less money for your rights deal, like 
I think you're willing to give that up. That's not that's not game changing. What's game changing for ESPN is the finals. Like that's that means something. Also, again, Chad, sorry for Phil busting. I will get to you. One of the things that like you really can't discount. I know it sounds silly, but both Austin and Chad have seen this too. A lot of times, like executives at these places want the title game so they can do business at the title game. So they can, you know, so Jimmy Pitar and Burke Magnus can chill out in, you know, wherever it is, LA or Denver and invite, you know, major clients or invite major agencies and stuff like that. Like that, that has a lot of value if you can, if you can be there at the finish line. I always thought it was the reason like NBC retained the French Open all those years is because Dick Ebersol wanted to take a nice trip to Paris. I don't blame <laughs> him. I wish I could too. I heard it's nice. So like, yeah, I think that's that's a fact. All right, Chad, how do you how do you see this? Yeah, it's uh, I, I'm curious about the NBC aspect of this because I don't think ESPN ABC wants that. And then you know NBC starts asking about the finals and getting those on network television. Um, everybody, I think, believes they're going to end up on Prime uh, as a, Amazon Prime as a streamer. I don't know what that looks like. Is it like a Thursday night basketball thing? Uh, Thursday night NBA because one of the one of the things I've wondered about with this is do they have enough inventory to be four streamers and that's where our, our four partners and you know maybe two streamers um, depending on what NBC does with it if they're involved but um, that's where the in-season tournament comes into this that was one of my predictions that the in-season tournament gets bigger uh, it you know it did all right uh, as Austin uh, uh, mentioned with the ratings, but it was up huge over the uh, Celtics Warriors finals rematch game that sort of ran in the same window as the in-season tournament final this year, uh, which is really all you're looking for is like proof that this uh, is ca- caught on in a, a magnitude bigger than a, a normal reg- regular season game at this point of the season. And uh, I think it's only going to have more and more appeal. Uh, it, it caught on pretty quickly once people started uh, realizing, uh, you know, once you got past that first round where it felt like sort of random games or the in-season ones and on the weird courts and all that, once you got past that, uh, really grew and grew in terms of attention and appeal. And I think that's only going to get better as they get a sponsor for it. And it probably ends up on one of these streamers. It feels like a, a, the in-season tournament aspect of this feels like a huge win for Adam Silver to me. Let me, let me give you one easy one here, okay? Amazon gets like some kind of in-season tournament or Amazon gets some kind of rights deal. Jeff Van Gundy is my first call. Well, he's working with the Celtics right now, so uh, he's going to have to get his championship ring first. Yes, I I agree. I think not. I don't know. Not having Jeff Van Gundy as a a national voice on some platform is a miss for the NBA right now, and I think they know that, so I agree. I really miss him, and I I like Doc uh, and Doris, but I I, I miss Van Gundy. The the sense of humor more than anything else. Yeah, it's, I mean, that'll be a great job. I actually have to sort of think about this. I haven't sort of thought about it enough. But if Amazon, let's say, got a package, who would you want as the play-by-play voice? There's a lot of good basketball play-by-play yeah, voices a lot, around, a lot like, of good regional, names, but... regionally around the country. Um, and so that would be – that's an interesting one. But again, it's very rare that you have an A-level analyst who has the kind of history that Jeff Van Gundy has that's just sitting – available to to be taken and no i'm not saying that like someone is going to pay 15 dollars to get amazon prime just because of jeff van gundy but as chad said you get jeff van gundy like you would agree with me chad like already 
you're you're telling the audience like this is going to be a professional broadcast. Like that right. that does matter. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus all right, I'll give a prediction. How's that? Now you guys seem very excited. Can't wait to shoot this down, Richard. Okay, <laughs> my pr- my prediction as someone who has covered many Olympics, seven Olympics, one of my the my singular favorite uh, um, professional experience. Trust me, I didn't grow up wanting to cover sports media. No, 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 no I wouldn't wish that on anybody. <laughs> but um, I think the Olympics rebounds big. Um, the last couple of uh, cycles, as Austin well knows as our viewership guy, were disaster. Beijing Olympics, least watched games in prime time ever. I think shade under 11 million. Um, games before that uh, in 2018, incredibly low. The Tokyo uh, – I'm sorry, not in 2018. My, my bad. The, the Tokyo Olympics, uh, which were pushed for the pandemic, um, terribly low – Viewership average, 15.1 million TV viewers in prime time. That, that was an all-time prime time low. So the Olympics have not had a good run for many, many reasons. Um, obviously, the pandemic, probably the biggest one in terms of time shift. But American public wasn't exactly enamored with the political and human rights abuses in China. Um, there was fatigue with the Olympics because the, uh, the Winter Olympics and the Summer Olympics were so you know back-to-back very, very quickly. But now comes Paris. With like spectacular backdrops, beautiful city, Arc de Triomphe, Eiffel Tower. Uh, I think, and it, my sense is, and I'll, I'll send it to you, Austin, that like I think people are going to be like exhausted too with all the politics and divisiveness. That I think come August of 2024, this is going to be a really nice television diversion. What's your thought on this? Well, I think similar to the Ch- CFP championship game, you can write the press release now that Paris is going to be up significantly from Tokyo. So that's a win for NBC right there. Do I think it's going to match Rio 2016? No. If, if this thing can average 20 million, that's a win. That's a huge, I think that's a win. Yeah. Amazing. Um, but, you know, historically, that's like what Sydney drew back in the day with, with, with a crappy time zone. But different era, different time. A uh, lot's going to be streaming on Peacock, but they'll be including those numbers. I think that they can... Like yeah, I think they can get close to twenty million. You just got you got to build up some names here now, especially for swimming and track, because you know those are the biggest draws over the two weeks. Yeah, people will want to watch some basketball, especially if USA plays France. You got Wembenyama uh, playing for France, so that could be interesting. But uh, you got to have some names built up in track and field and, and, and swimming. Yeah, um, you know that's that's obviously NBC is going to have to. Um 
NBC is going to have to sort of push for that. Katie Ledecky is probably, I would say, the most famous sort of swimming built-in star coming in. But but you know, there's no bolt in track. No, and that's and no American bolt in track at the moment. Um, and so that's uh, that's you know that's going to be an issue. But that you know, this is part of like what NBC's. Um, you know, that's part of what NBC's sort of job is supposed to be. Is, when do they is, typically um, start the heavy promotion for the now, personalities? Like, yeah, like right, like usually, like right around Super Bowl time. I, you know, I, I, I'll tell you who I think is a phenomenal runner is uh, Sydney McLaughlin. I think her actually, although maybe she's now Sydney McLaughlin Lavrone. If I mispronounced her last name, I apologize. She's she recently married, um, but she's a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, runner. Uh, 400 meter hurdle is one of the best ever. So, like, what what NBC has to do, but this is always their challenge is they got to get like people like that, like, like in the American sporting consciousness. Yeah. And usually, Chad, that happens right after the Super Bowl. Once the NFL gets sort of away, then I feel like you start pushing, like, you market the hell out of everything as much as you can. Yeah, you'll. See, I think you'll see it a lot during the NFL postseason. I mean, one thing I will push back on, Richard, is. People wanting a respite from political coverage. Uh, yeah, th- I think some people will. But I think there are enough people that are especially heading into the fall there in August. You saw what the numbers did in 2020, 2016. The, the upticks for cable news during those times yeah, were incredible. And it suppresses sports viewership a little bit. And I'm curious. Yeah, to see you, no, you're, it, I mean, yeah, yes, you're, I am going against what has been the history in that the the cable news, um, how do I say this? You know, twenty four seven coverage of politics in a presidential election year does depress sports. I'm going to go a little against the grain with my prediction that um, that 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 this maybe counters it, but we'll see. Uh, the time zones too, Austin, are not bad, um, at least in terms of there's a lot of afternoon viewing, um, and prime prime time is going to be obviously like a recap. But you are going to essentially for two and a half weeks, you're going to basically be able to turn on whatever device and see live sports, which is great. I think Um, at a time where you're only going against baseball, basically. No, it's a good time of year and it should do numbers. I'm just I I think that cable news is going to see a big uptick around that time. It's around convention time. And I really am going to be paying attention to what this opening ceremony number does. I think that'll be a good indicator. It's such it's the most unique opening ceremony I can remember in my lifetime. Okay. And it's a great plan. Let's see if they can pull it off. And I think that'll be an incredible indicator as to whether people are really interested in watching this event. Yeah, and the Olympics now are in a great cycle. They just have great cities coming up, Paris, LA, Milan. Um, you know, we're getting we're we're away, thankfully, from uh the autocracy, IOC. Nobody, nobody loves an autocracy more than the IOC. So we're 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 a little bit away from that cycle now, um, which which will be good. But I don't disagree with you, Austin. I mean, the cable companies are going to make a ton of money. I mean, everybody everybody media is going to make money on the presidential election. But uh, you know, may, maybe you know, once the athletic cans me, then I'll be able to do the podcast I really want to do. We'll, we'll save that topic <laughs> for a different time. All right, uh, Chad. Um, you got another prediction uh, for us? 
Uh, I'm not predicting the athletic will can you. Um, All right, so I'll stay away from that one. Always, always, limb, o- wow. always a fifty, always a fifty-fifty proposition, Chad. You that, that Vegas will give you two to one on that every time. Yeah, that's just this business as a whole, though. So it's uh, nothing special about those odds. Um, just a general one, I guess. I mean, uh, could go a couple different ways here with things I wrote down, but I'll I'll, I'll go with a sort of vaguer one and see if you guys. Um, have any thoughts on it it's uh, there's going to be another ai scandal in sports media um we you know we don't have to parse the whole sports illustrated thing but um I talked to a few people on the editorial side there i know you have a lot of contacts and uh, people there too richard and um you know they were unaware of what was going on with that uh, the content um that was being being produced even though it was pretty clearly an ai uh business that they were dealing with i feel like uh this is not the last time that a uh, media company is is going to try to pull the wool over people's eyes and use ai content without uh you know acknowledging it or making it clear and uh, i don't know if it's uh, articles like that that are pushing product if it's something with uh, arts and photographs could go in so many different ways but um i think we're going to this is something we're going to run up against a lot and uh, it's never going to uh, be anything that uh, ends well for sports media. What do you think? That, that's, I think that's a great, I mean, a sad, but also I think a dead on prediction, Chad, I, I agree with you. I think if not multiple sort of AI scandals in sports, uh, what do you think of that? Austin? You know, I think it's, I think it's a sobering prediction and I think he's right. Um, when, you know, when I first, you know, heard about the SI stuff, it was like, at first laughable and and then sad for two reasons one like you know knowing what sports illustrated was and to see this be you know one another nail essentially in in that um and yeah fearing what it could mean for the rest of the business yeah that was a little it was scary it went from you know humorous almost to scary real quick and to think about potential future scandals is is just not fun to think about all right, Austin. I don't know how many more you have, Austin, but you want to give us one, yeah, one more prediction, or what you're, or something I, that you I really want to. I think that before the end of the year, there will be a deal for some sort of merging of some of the lesser streaming products. And here, the three I'm talking about in particular are yeah. Paramount Plus, Peacock, and Max. I don't think that they can all survive on their own. There's just not. I enough. agree. There's there's just not enough out there, and there's not uh, there's definitely not enough critical mass of viewers for each of them. I mean, I'm not going out on too much of a limb here. We've already heard about talks between Paramount and Warner Brothers Discovery. So that would be a potential Max Paramount merger. But I think that that does happen this year. Um, if Peacock and Countcast were to get involved, obviously it gets complicated with any sort of takeover because you can't have the two broadcast networks you know, within the same company. But I, I think that they are sitting on a mountain of cash, Comcast, and they are ready to make a move. And do they want to see a Paramount Max merger when they could potentially take over one of those? So I'm, I'm interested to see w- who takes over who, but I don't think that all three of them survive the year. That's interesting. Um, whether that happens in 2024 or not, we'll see. I, I do think there has to be some consolidation among some of the streaming properties. I think Peacock's uh, inventory, Austin, is is great. I, I think they- Yeah, Premier League they have is great a, for them. That, that, that's yeah. a good one. They have this. They have the Premier League, uh, Sunday Night Football, uh, WWE content. Um, you know, obviously college content. 
I think they um, they have a lot to offer. They, you know, I've seen sort of the numbers. Obviously, they've lost a just a bonanza of money. It's in the billions so far, and I think they're at thirty million subscribers. Which again, you know, that's a real business, but you'd want to go, you'd want to go higher. So they're interesting to me in terms of like what would be the the fit. Um, but I'm with you. I, I at a certain point, I think there has to be consolidation. Paramount Plus, by the way, has some great properties too. I love the Champions League on there, but um, their entertainment properties are way better on Paramount. But Paramount yeah. Sports, I think, leaves a little something to. Little something you just can't lose. Yeah, at a certain point, like you just, you know, all these companies are are like, <laughs> like when they have like losses in the hundreds of millions instead of billions, like it's like a win for them. You just, it's it's not sustainable. Like all this stuff is just, it's not sustainable. So um, consolidation is coming. Uh, it'll just be a question of when. What do you think of that, Chad? I, I don't know. Are you do you subscribe to any of the three that Austin just mentioned? Uh, uh Max and uh. Peacock. I actually have Peacock on right now because I, I like to have the Dan Patrick show on while I'm working in the morning. Um, but uh, yeah, that's totally true. I mean, uh, the losses that they, they all incur and the, uh, I guess the holes in their programming, uh, the unevenness of the programming on all those particular networks. It's it's kind of funny to turn on Max now and see like the, uh, uh, the random NBA games street listed across the bottom. Because the more the uh, that that's a relatively um, you know new development there, but uh, the Peacock uh, has had some pretty good benefits itself with the, the association with the NFL, and uh, still really hasn't seemed to catch on overall as a network. So there will be some consolidation, and I think uh, I, I actually like I like Max quite a bit overall, but uh, those three three. Uh, services uh, make the most sense yeah and i should mention you know max obviously owned by one brother discovery they got a lot of good content too nba nhl march madness obviously you just don't associate it with it though even though it's right there in front of you it's like what's us this doing? So- I- yeah they, the u.s soccer too that they paid yeah. some money for yep. right and you don't yeah we'll, we'll yeah uh, we'll see I, I, max to me sort of maybe has a marketing problem more than anything should else, still but, be um, hbo for one thing well, I think that was a miss on the rebrand. I agree. Terrible. Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, you you spend decades building up a a brand name that like people respect and with great credibility, with great credibility, right? And just to to change it is is uh, is crazy. I, I mean, I'm with both of you guys. I mean, which is why I didn't understand why get rid of the USFL and the XFL for the UFL. It makes no. I saw your tweet on that, no and sense. I agree with you too. Because like, like I when so I when I think when I think of the UFL, weirdly enough, I start thinking the USL, which is the United Soccer League, right? That's another like it's it's I'm already not connecting it to spring football. And I, so I'm I with start you. thinking about the defunct UFL, where I think like. Nancy Pelosi's husband owned a team, and there was a team in Omaha. Oh, is that, is that the uh, Larry Zonka Jim Kick League or no? Uh, I don't even know. I, I but yes. it was. It, <laughs> See, we, we the fact we don't know, and three of us work in sports means it's a fail. USFL is a great brand name. Ugh. like that that has meaning to people. That has nostalgic meaning to people, and um, and I'm with you. The XFL, not as much. I mean, when I think of the XFL, like his in terms of history, I just you know I think of Vince McMahon's like nonsense league. But uh, but the USFL, um, I love that name. I, I'm, I'm with you. I think it's I think it's um, a mistake. I, I'm sure there were legal reasons, uh, but I mean, yes, I'm sure. Ow. Ugh, UFL. Call, how about can you? I don't know. USFL 3.0. Can I can I get the lawyers <laughs> to greenlight that? Yeah, is well, this 3.0? 
<laughs> yeah. You just say th- if you Plus just add three add three to anything, and it sounds like you're 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 digital native heading into the twenty twenty uh, second century. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge worthy drama, is back along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. All right, Chad, do you have any, you want to to throw one more before we get out of here? Do you want me to throw one? Ooh. Um, don't, I don't want to put pressure on you. I have one if you if you if you if you want me to throw it out. What, what's yours? Is it personnel, uh, network? Yeah, yeah. I just I'll just throw a talent. I'll throw a talent one out there because we haven't hit that. Is Stephen A? No, although okay. I think that that would be more of a 2025 prediction because I think his contract it's eighteen months. I'm right. Yeah, yeah. It ends in 2025. By the way, I, it just as a quick one, I think he will resign with ESPN as a highest paid employee. That's where I was thinking. I don't know about that, but I, I I don't think the market outside of ESPN is probably as great as Stephen A's people might think. I'm not saying he's not a talent; he is. Um, but the one thing with him is, like, if he really decided to go for it on his own with his own production company and stuff, I think that'd be an interesting move for him, and he'd have creative freedom. And he clearly wants to talk politics and culture as much as he wants to talk sports, but he's just not getting paid. 15 18 million dollars anywhere else like there's i I should i I don't want to be aikman buck money i don't want to be i don't want to drop hyperbole but but it it seems inconceivable to me that another media outlet would pay him that money i i just i don't see it i i I think it's i I agree i think it's espn or or independent yeah unless fox just decides like hey we want to fuck with the ecosystem we're going to bring him in create our own little first take just to sort of BDSPM. But even then, like, is that is that worth 20 million bucks? And Fox doesn't have the NBA. So, plus if you're Stephen A, I mean, he's in his mid to late 50s, right? I mean, at a certain point, I don't know, don't you tap out at a certain point about, like, <laughs> screaming about what the stupid Cowboys quarterback did last week? You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, at a certain point, like, it's got to, like, be Well, if he goes out on his own, maybe that re-energizes him to do that. Yeah, I agree with that. And again, like, and I, got do no it all again. I got no problem with Stephen A talking politics. Like, he, he, even the times he, I disagree with what he has to say, I, I respect that people want to branch out and do different things. He just cannot do that at ESPN. They're not going to let him do a uh, an all-sports slash political culture late night show that's just they're not getting into that um i don't know would fox news hire Stephen a to do like i don't think he'd do that show? either I, I i don't see it i don't i don't see that no yeah and I, I don't they're not paying them 18 million bucks i mean they, they don't they're not they're not paying uh their own late night guys that kind of money they make millions of dollars at fox but i think hannity and like is maybe the only one who's making crazy money in terms of on-air talent Although I would, I would absolutely <laughs> tune in to see Stephen A. leading to Hannity for the just the humor of it. Yes, I think I'd watch like once three months. That would be hilarious. But then, yeah, maybe okay. I'll give it a week. I'm like going a month. Yeah. yeah, like yeah, I would one I, night. Yeah. Well, wait, would I? Yeah, I guess I would watch once. All right. So my quick talent one is um, look for Laura Rutledge to resign with ESPN in 2024 and to get uh some bigger assignments even though she has some big assignments now i could see laura rutledge at a point in the not too distant future being um 
being the lead host of Sunday morning, Sunday, Sunday NFL countdown. That's my prediction. I'm not saying that happened. I, I, by the way, I don't know what Sam Ponder's uh, future is, and there's no disrespect to her. She's, she's a quality host for sure. But I, I think they're, I think they're going to recognize what they have in Laura Rutledge in terms of somebody who's so versatile who can go from uh, sideline for like a national semifinal college football to the NFL to hosting NFL Live. That's a really, really valuable talent who's grown up in that system and who's under 40. So to me, I think she becomes. Uh, she becomes a big signing for them, and they, as we head forward, you see her in some very, very prominent NFL shows. I like that. They've really got it right with their that NFL with their NFL Live. Yeah, that uh, that that is their. Uh, yeah, yes. interestingly enough, I think that's their. Um, that if if you're going to say like what's ESPN's signature NFL show, it's that one. Even though even though it the is. Sunday no morning doubt. show gets more viewers and is the higher profile one, but NFL Live is their signature show. Yeah. I think if you ask any NFL fan. Like they'd say, like if you associate one NFL show with ESPN, that's the show. I think. No doubt. Yep. No uh, doubt. You agree with that, Austin? I agree. You know, the one prediction that I couldn't make, and we've talked, we we talk about it ad nauseum, is RSNs because I just I don't know where things are going to land. All I know is it's going to it's going to continue to be a story that we have to talk about almost day in and day out. Um, I think we will stop by the end of this year talking about Diamond Sports as a thing, but like what. The delivery of local content looks like in the future. I think for I, yeah, I think it's. I, think it's I, I mean, you know, obviously it's going to affect everything in terms of um, in terms of what these teams can pay their players. But I don't you think that we're heading to a universe where the the team itself like regains the property and then uses its own distribution to sell the games in whatever manner they're going to sell. That that's. I know that some of these contracts make it hard for that to happen for every um for every team or the leagues the league themselves maybe it become the league is the is the warehouse where everything's yeah. sort of filtered. I think you're gonna see a hybrid model. It's the bigger teams that are able to control their local inventory and the RSN model yes, has worked for them. Yeah. Uh, you know, like the Dodgers being able to just print money and the Yankees and um, but for those teams that were relying on Bally Sports for 50, 60, 70% of their revenue, I think they're going to need league help. And I think that the league distributing and creating a sort of package with those teams will create better revenue opportunities than maybe they were able to get locally on their own. Yeah, the real question there is like, um, and I guess we'll find out as we head forward, is how much will people pay for a direct-to-consumer product, right, for like baseball or basketball? Like if you're if – you're, let's I'll just make this up. If you're like a Twins fan. Like, how much would you pay per year to get access to every game? Nesson's thirty bucks a month on its standalone app. Okay, and does it that gives you every Red Sox game except National? Yep, and Bruins. Yeah, and not a whole lot else. Thir- do you think they're? You would know this, Chad. Are they? Even if you're a casual fan, are they, yeah. Are they? The do you, are, are they making money in this at the moment? Do you know? I don't know because they're very guarded about what their subscription base looks like. Um, We've inquired me and our uh, Michael Silverman, our uh, sports business writer, have inquired many times and uh, get nowhere with it. So people are pissed at that price. At that. At that. Yeah, that's. I think that's. I think that's high, but I think that's the reality of of like where the price point's going to be. You know, this is something that obviously you know every one of us who does like the sports media kind of stuff sort of talks about. Austin, if you had to guess, this would be a fun one. As a price point, I don't know if this is going to happen in 2024, most likely 2025, I would think. What would ESPN 
what's the price point for an ESPN direct consumer product where they put all everything, every, you know, all the kit and caboodle, as we've talked about forever, now becomes available to you if you want to cut the cord. What is the price point for that monthly? That's the big one. I don't even know where to start with that price. That is, it's a good question. I also agree that it doesn't happen this year because yep. I don't think we've no, hit that no, no. I agree. 2020, 2025 seems like the, the logical year for that. Well, it's also juxtaposed with a rebundling, which I think consumers want. So you're talking about yeah, ESPN on its own, but will I, it I be on its own? It's a great, like, it's a great question. I, I don't. I think. I think initially ESPN will probably have a lower price point. Uh, for that product because you want to get as many people in as you can, and then you could raise it. But the reality is if like, if I'm being offered everything ESPN has, and when we talk about this, that means that everything that's on cable now becomes available to you as a direct-to-consumer. It would still stay on cable, but this gives you the opportunity to get ESPN if you don't want to subscribe to Comcast or you know, who, or whoever, Charter or whoever your cable company is. Like, I don't think that's out of the question to say that like the value of that is is like forty fifty dollars a month. By the way, I don't think they would go that high, but I think you can make a logical argument, don't you think, Chad? Like, given everything ESPN has, that that like that the value of that as a sports fan is probably there. Yeah, but it's going to infuriate people. I mean, when when that's yeah, yeah, I agree. It's it's a lot. It's 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 the problem is that you're paying for other shit already. So now you have to add forty bucks. Right, and they'll compare that price point to what Max is, or to what uh, you know, Peacock or Netflix or whatever. And yeah, it's uh, you know, the, those are a fraction of that forty, fifty bucks for ESPN. But you know, people would begrudgingly pay it and complain probably, you know, every time the bill came due. How about twenty? How about twenty four ninety? Less, less than this, and that's a bargain. I think you're going to have to start at a lower price point like that. Really? You think like think think something crazy like 19.99 also that seems I don't know how ESPN can make the money work with that. Like you said, you got to get them in first. I don't know what that low price point is, but I agree with Chad. Like they're going to compare it immediately to Netflix. I'm paying this for the, for Netflix. You want me to pay this for ESPN? For ESPN? Yeah. What do you what, guys what, what exactly are you giving me in the summer? Yeah. Like your your pricing is going to be different cuz I'm here in Toronto. What are you guys paying for Netflix if I can ask per month? Oof, this is 20, 20 some odd dollars. Low 20s. Okay. What about you, Chad? Do you have Netflix? Yeah, it's it's right in that range. So I yeah. that's a good point by Austin. I think if you're ESPN. I think they do what YouTube TV did, where it was like $34.99 to start, and then they jacked it up and jacked it up and jacked it up. It's interesting. If you I think you know what, Austin? I think I think it was you said this. I think you make a great point. I think if you're ESPN, I don't think you can go higher than Netflix. I think that's just Mark. You can't. No, there's a psychological thing there. There. Yeah, exactly. So that I'd use my net. I mean, whatever the average price is for a U.S. audience for Netflix, I think I'd start there and then go down a little bit. I think that's your that's your play if you're if you're Iger, Pataro, Burke, Magnus, and company. Because I don't think you cannot justify the cost to consumers and say we're charging you more than Netflix, given what it, given everything Netflix has. So you have to go there, which is tough because that's, you know, for ESPN, I mean, they've, they've, you know, think of the billions that they've paid for all these properties. And this is their, this price point is a massive thing for them. They they have to get this right and they have to make money on the direct to consumer. That's interesting. That's, you know, we obviously have some very, very interesting things that are going to happen with all these, uh, 
these businesses heading forward. And our buddy John O'Ran will be covering it all for Puck as he's now moved <laughs> from your place, Austin. That's a free plug for John. That's, I feel like that's very kind of me to do. Love you, John. I think that all right. So this is our tw- this has been our 2024 uh, first podcast of the year with some predictions. We'll see what happens. I think we're all going to definitely be correct on the Brady one. I don't think there's any question about that. Tommy Tommy Brady will be in the the booth. What's that first game going to be if you're Fox? You want to give him a good game, right? Is it definitely with Burkhart? Well, I mean, Bur- um, no, nothing has been announced yet or formalized, but like he is their number one play-by-play person. So you, there's, there seems to be... Yeah, he's got a Super Bowl, there's too. There's no other yeah. sort of path that they would take. They would never do this, but I actually think making it a three-person booth with Olsen would be incredible, but they're not going to do that. They're just not going to... They're not paying Tom Brady however many millions they're paying Tom Brady to make him a you know part of a three-person booth as opposed to a two-person but I actually think that booth would be incredible because Olsen and Brady probably see the game so differently that would yeah. make for really fascinating uh, they'd have a good rapport yeah, yeah I can definitely see that yeah yeah won't happen but it would be very cool alright Austin you have anything to promote before we get out of here I do not Chad, anything for you hmm no nothing right now working on a few things uh boston globe sports media writer chad finn sports business journal managing editor digital austin carp i thank you for your time happy new year gentlemen and uh we'll see you soon on the sports media podcast thanks rich a happy 2024 to both of you all right back in the studio my thanks to austin and chad that was fun uh i appreciate them uh give me some time uh as we uh as we begin uh, 2024 uh, if you like these kind of conversations, head to the archives. There should be uh, there should be some stuff you like. Had a great conversation with Hubie Brown right before the uh, the end of the new year. Um, doing what he's doing at age ninety, just incredible. Fox NFL producer Richie Zients and Fox NFL director Rich Russo were the uh, guests before uh, Hubie. Um, really insightful. If you want to uh, learn about television production, did something on uh, Shohei Otani. Uh, with Fabian Ardaya, what it's going to be like to cover him, and uh, ESPN's Laura Rutledge, who was mentioned on this podcast, was a guest on this podcast December 8th. Um, if you like this stuff, please leave us a five-star review and a nice note. That's how this podcast continues. I want to thank Patrick Antonetti for all his hard work. Thanks to everybody at Odyssey for the support. And uh, thank you for listening. Welcome to 2024. We'll see you soon on the Sports Media Podcast.